Relationship Rewire is made possible by support from its listeners. So please hit pause and go to growinglovenetwork.org and click on the donate button. Go ahead. We'll be glad to wait. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's wrong and what's right with marriage and relationships in our world today. This episode is titled, Max on Marriage, and our guest is Max Licato. Okay, hello, this is John Anderson, and I have with me, my guest today, is Max Licato. Some of you may have heard of Max before. Max serves as preaching minister at Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. Max once wrote a book that uh, sold more than 500 copies, I believe. Is that right? Just just almost. I, I never quite finished. <laughs> and Max has been married to his college sweetheart, Dean Lynn, for 35 years. And he has three grown daughters and two sons-in-law and a Rosie. How old's Rosie now? Rosie's um, 18 months. 18 months. 18 months. Nice, beautiful red hair yeah, that she got eyes. from her grandfather. Yeah. And a dog named Andy. So um, I wanted, Max, I, I told you a little bit before we go in here, we like to talk uh, about what we see is what's wrong with marriage and relationships in our world today, but also what's right. So uh, we don't just want to be negative, mm-hmm. but I, 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 it's really hard for me to get, uh, for anybody to get negative stuff out of you anyway, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too worried about that. Well, I wanted to jump right in by um, just asking you some questions and and getting your take on these. We, I had not asked you these questions. Well, you haven't answered these to me before. I told you what they were going to be ahead of time. but yeah, so I haven't I had any time to formulate much of an answer so, so hopefully you're I'm, getting I'm, I'm, yeah i hope i'm getting a download from somewhere nice and raw well we, we forgot to pray before we started okay i'm doing that right now okay well okay here's here's the first question i have what do you think is one of the most common mindset fallacies uh that christians have in, in our world today about marriage yeah um by the way thanks for letting me have this discussion it's a uh, I, I feel a real uh, passion for happier and healthier homes, and um, I feel like uh, there's there's a lot of confusion on on uh, this topic. And I think w- your question gives us a chance to talk about one of them, uh, and that is that my spouse exists to make me happy. Hmm. Uh, that uh, that my spouse exists to meet all my needs. Or my spouse exists to fulfill my dreams. Um, that's, that's not why you got married. No. <laughs> uh, although I will say, Deanland does a great job on all of those. Uh, but that's putting an unbelievable burden on another human being, you know. And and when somebody says, you know, I'm leaving my wife or my husband uh, because they don't make me happy anymore, uh, I'm already feeling sorry for the next person that person marries because they're going to go in with that same expectation and they're going to, they're going to be disappointed. Uh, and so I, w- I would say that understanding that, that, uh, the job of a, 
of a marriage is not for personal happiness is is real essential and so that raises the question well what what is the job of a marriage and uh i i think that the job of a marriage is to give us a chance to explore the mystery of of a relationship with another human being uh in, in to the degree that we can learn to serve them and uh and and then we discover a happiness that comes kind of through the back door uh, I don't expect that person to make me happy, but if I set out to serve that person, uh, there's this genuine happiness that comes through that service. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the happy marriages are those where the husband and wife are, are trying to outserve one another uh, in that marriage. So if I'm not expecting my spouse to make me happy, but they do something for me that is loving, then I see that as a gift. Mm. instead of a fulfillment of, of an obligation that exactly. changes both of our perspectives. It really does, doesn't it? Now, the thing is, I'll have to say honestly, I didn't know this going into marriage. And I would like to say I learned it in the first few years, but it was probably 15 years of my 31 years of marriage before I started learning that. How did you, how did you get to that point of, of that philosophy? Well, uh, you and I have a, a common friend in Paul Faulkner, and, and he uh, taught classes at the college where you and I both attended. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot I've forgotten from college. Uh, but, boy, there's a few things that have stuck. And I do remember him uh, telling uh, a story about a man who came to him and said, uh, Dr. Faulkner, I don't know what to do. I just don't love my wife anymore. And uh, could we meet and talk about it? And his response was, well, you don't need to meet because I can just tell you what you need to do. You just need to go home and love her. <laughs> and he would use that as a way of setting up the whole discussion of love being more of a decision mm-hmm. than an emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first that feels burdensome to me and to others. But, but what happens, John, I think, is that if I decide to love somebody, then the emotion follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I decide I'm going to be your friend, or if I decide that I'm going to be uh, more attentive to my kids, uh, if I decide that I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, more uh, generous with my money, well, I may not feel like that at first. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. I, I make the right decision. And I've found that most of the time the emotion follows. But even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, um, you know, the decision is still the right decision. Right. right? Well, uh, you get you get peace from it at the very least. Yeah. Peace from knowing you made the right decision. Yeah. You know, um, I I will have people that come to me, you know, and sit telling me the same thing. And, and I'll say something along the lines of, well, love's not a feeling. And it's a choice, like you're saying. Uh, but some people that are uh, not necessarily Christ followers, they will say, yeah, that sounds like Christianese, but um, let's get real here. And then I'll say, well, let me come from psychological perspective then. Um psychologically speaking there is no feeling called love Hmm. in fact when you love somebody you can be angry you can be sad you can be giddy you can be ecstatic you can be any any feeling on the on the range but 
when you have the peace of choosing to love somebody because it's the right thing to do, then that's where you actually start to really have, where you really start having a the kind of relationship that we really always hope for, where where you you start liking that person even if you didn't like them. Because Joanne and I, we didn't like each other after about three years of marriage because <laughs> we didn't know what love was, you know. Uh, it's, okay, so what would you, um, if you had somebody come to you and say, okay, I've, I think I've heard that before, Max, but what if my spouse just makes my life miserable? What if they're grumpy all the time or they just they have uh, really destructive behaviors mm-hmm. that anybody would say uh, that's not healthy for a, a marriage or a relationship. How would you respond to that? And those are those are hard questions, aren't they? You know, it's one thing for you and I to sit here and look at a microphone, look at each other, mm-hmm. and say, uh, you know, just 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 stick it out with that person, or or, or do your part, and the good things are going to happen. Uh, but as a minister, and I know you've found the same in ministering to people. Uh, I've had wives come, and I've see I see the bruises on their arms, you know, oh, and, yeah. and and so there's cases where they're feeling like they're supposed to stay in there because some preachers told them to do that, mm-hmm. and they're getting hurt, physically abused, and so uh, I think in a case where you're being uh, physically abused, uh, then then you you need to get out of the geographical proximity of that person. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's not loving to let somebody hit yeah, you. Let somebody hit you. It's not love at all, <laughs> no, is it? No. Uh, so I, th- I think defining what love is is, is a big part of this, uh, and and helping people understand that that boundaries uh, are a part of loving somebody, being clear in in what makes a healthy marriage work, and coming to an agreement between husband and wife, uh, what makes it work. Uh, I can remember early in our marriage, uh, the the uh, crisis that we faced. It was really due to my travel. I was traveling a lot, and we had three children, uh, ages five and three, and little Sarah was in diapers, brand new. And uh, I, I called Deanland from a particular trip, all excited at another invitation I'd received while out on the road. I just thought I was just the greatest guy in the world. Because I was being asked to go to all these places, I just thought, man, I must be uh, the the incarnate Apostle Paul, you know. And, uh, and uh, when by I, the way, you're not because there's a lot of people that are just listening to this podcast because you're on it, and they think you are. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, and so I called Deanland and from the from an airport, and I told her that, and I was expecting she was going to be all excited. She started crying, just crying on the sobbing couldn't even get the words out uh, and uh, I got I, fortunately that was on my way home and by the time I got home she was just distraught and so what would what she could have asked that question John she could have said I can't stand that my husband is gone he's preaching on weekends and then he takes off on Monday and comes back on Thursday he's tired and he gets enough energy to go preach and he leaves on Monday and comes this said this isn't working but I'm supposed to just love him what would what I needed for her to do was to tell me the truth, and the truth was you need to stay home mm-hmm. and and be the husband that you said you'd be. Uh, and uh, 
it was not would not have been loving for her just to put up with my irresponsibility or whatever it was causing that. I wouldn't say it's being irresponsible. I think I was just misled or mis yeah. or deluded. So the fact that she uh, finally uh, broke down uh, changed our marriage, changed our marriage, changed my, changed me, changed the way I was attentive to her. I changed my schedule. I mean, drastically. And so uh, she needed uh, to to tell me the truth. And I think I think that's what where we start in in a relationship where somebody says I can't put up with that person anymore. The question is, are you telling him or her the truth? Or do, do they understand what you're what what's driving you crazy? Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And well, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, what if somebody says, I, uh, there is those things that I keep telling them and they don't change. Mm -hmm. Isn't that where I can get out? <laughs> Was that unfair? Well, I mean, I mean those are the hardest questions, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, the part, one angle, uh, one response to that is, no, hang in there. Uh, keep trying, keep loving. And I think a lot of the time that's the right answer. Mm -hmm. Go another round with them. Uh, forgive them one more time. But understand what forgiveness is. It's not pretending they didn't do anything wrong. It's being clear in your communication with them, working out a new strategy. Here's where I can, and I feel a little bit like, you know, I've invented a, a, a paper plane and I'm talking to the guy who invented the airplane because you deal with people in these questions a hundred times more often. But on the rare occasions uh, that I've told somebody, yeah, it's time, I think you could go. It's, it's when there is uh, an unrepentant sense of infidelity. You know, when the person is, is just repeatedly uh, cheating on his wife or her or her husband. And there's not a sincere sense of... Taking another path. Yeah, yeah. They, they've repeated it, this action over and over and over so, to the point where it, even if they say they're sorry, <coughs> there's the sense they're not really. They're not really. They're just going <coughs> to... Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. even if they're, they say they're sorry, but they haven't gotten on another path. Exactly. And you know it's going to happen again. It does happen again. It does. Is your marriage getting worse instead of better? Has there been talk of separation, or is either spouse considering divorce? If any of these apply, then Love Reboot is your answer. Come join the hundreds of couples who were once in despair and headed for divorce, but are now experiencing a thriving, growing relationship after attending a Love Reboot weekend. Visit us at growinglovenetwork.org for more information on an upcoming Love Reboot workshop. Hello, this is Max Locato. You're listening to Relationship Rewire. Well, okay, let me let me throw this one at you. I I I, I like your answer on that one. Do you? Yes. Maybe I, I should write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone fall out of love with their spouse? Yeah. It, again, okay, so let's 
if love is an emotion, yeah, they sure can. They sure can. Uh, I know Deanland felt little emotion for me during those two or three years that I was traveling too much. And, and it would come and go. But uh, but I was testing her emotional. Uh, but but the resolve was there. The resolve was there to to make the marriage work. And so if you say that love is a feeling, you can sure have feelings come and go. That's for, that's for certain. Um, if you say that love is a decision to do what's in the best interest of somebody else, well, that's not, uh, that's, that you, that you, you can feel that resolve to honor that decision, Wayne. Um, but I, I don't think you ever completely, if that's, if that's what you've decided, okay, I'm going to be married to Joanna. And I'm really going to do my best to do what's in her best interest. Uh, that's a very unselfish decision. Mm. And since it's not dependent upon an emotion, I don't think you can fall out of that kind of love. Yeah. That's my thought. What's yours? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying love never fails. Yeah. And right above that in 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't say Love is warm and fuzzy and fun, and <laughs> it's all about things you decide to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think uh, a lot of people, when they're going through a season in their life where their spouse is just not being a good spouse, however you want to look at that, and they're getting worn down by all of that, uh it's hard for them to see that if I, um, if I f- really figure out, you know, God is is doing something in me, mm-hmm. not just, um, how am I supposed to be helping God, um, you know, fix my spouse, but God's doing something in me. Then I've seen it over and over again where they they learn a huge new lesson in life by continuing to love that other person that actually changes the dynamics of their relationship with their spouse for the better and and then they start feeling positive about their spouse i know for myself once early in our marriage i told you years two and three i actually went to an elder in my church and said i'm really struggling i don't like my wife i i I found out about 15 years later she didn't like me either at the time (laughs) and probably a lot less. so that's affirming (laughs) yes but uh, which now uh, I can't imagine being without Joanna, but um, and she's my best friend. But I, I there were there was times when I didn't want to go home from work hmm. at the end of the day, and uh, and he said, "Well, what's bothering you?" He said, "I don't, you know." And I, I said some stuff. He said, well, "Why don't you start thanking God for the, those things?" And I said, "Well, that would be disingenuous to thank God for these hmm. things that I don't." He said, "No, there's something about them." that is really her that you fell in love with in the first place. If you can figure that out and thank God for that. And, and just in doing that for a few months started changing the way I felt about it. Hmm. But, um, okay. You, you know, John, if yeah. I can just add too, um, you know, if I, if I really want, all of us have learned, right? If, if we really want to accomplish something, it's going to take work. Mm. You know, if I really wanted to be a professional bowler, it's never crossed my mind until now. <laughs> I can just uh, but, see. <laughs> but I, I would understand that's going to require study, 
It's going to require having a mentor, a coach. It's going to require a lot of time in the bowling alley practicing. Uh, and I'm going to understand pretty soon that this is work before it's fun. Uh, I, sometimes I think when it comes to marriage, um, we might forget that it takes work. It, it really does. Mm-hmm. It takes a decision, you know, for me to, uh, I don't know. I had lunch today. I had lunch today with a fella whose uh, wife is going through a lot of emotional challenges and changes. She's in her 50s, and she physically and emotionally, her body's going through a lot, and uh, they're settling empty nests, and he just changed jobs, and uh, their their income went down, but they're hoping it's going to bounce back even greater. You know, it, it, so they're going through a lot of change. But when he first changed jobs, he he, he uh, it took it took a lot of his energy for about six months to make the transition, and uh, it just nearly destroyed his marriage. And so he said, now my objective, my objective is to be a better husband. So I I liked hearing that because it's like he was saying, all the focus that I was pouring into my making my new career work, I'm now pouring into being a better husband. He said, to the point where my wife is saying, well, you don't have to be around all the time because <laughs> he was gone all the time. <laughs> so so I, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes we just have to decide, I'm going to take the same energy that it, that I used to get through college, or the same energy that I'll use. Or how to about become. the same energy used to get that person wooed to you in the first? I place. love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull that same romance out. Yeah, it, it's so interesting how people they invest so much at the beginning. Yeah, and then they get married and they st- all those investments they that they were doing time, energy, resources. Yeah, and now they're putting those into into other stuff, and they're wondering why they don't have the same. It's like a cartoon I saw once of a uh, bride and groom walking out of the church and uh, the little thought bubble, you know, that they, the little thought bubble coming out of her was finally no more curlers, no more makeup, <laughs> no more diets. And uh, so her, her mentality was, I got him. I don't have to yeah, do anything. Right. Well, that's, that's a dangerous mentality, yes, isn't it? Is. it? Yes. I was just picturing you bowling too, and the thought came to mind. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I never bowl. I never bowl. <laughs> but, but you have bowled, and what feels natural is not the thing that we. I know you loved golf. What yeah. feels natural doesn't make makes you a worse bowler or golfer, right? It does. You have does. to learn things that that's don't exactly come natural. Right. And, that's exactly right. And that's really right. what love is. It doesn't come naturally. Yeah. To us. But it does develop, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you if you develop the skills of, for example, let's let's take a, a skill of uh, of uh, negotiation, uh, of conversation negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if uh, when Dean and I got married, uh, I come from a family that's super financially conservative. Both of my parents were born and raised during the Depression. Mm-hmm. She comes from a family, and and she would tell you that that they depended a lot on credit cards and had some financial challenges consequently. Uh, and so she was a little uh, freer with our money, and I was very stingy with our money. And, uh, and, and that was a real source of stress. It really was. Uh, and so we had to learn to talk that through. Now, you could look at that and say, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it's the kind of deal that becomes a big deal. 
Sure. If you don't develop the skills mm-hmm. of listening and communicating and saying, what's a middle ground here? Right. What can we agree on? And, 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 uh, and so we finally kind of did. We landed on a middle ground, a little simple budget. And it's not always been perfect, but it sure helped. So one of the things you had to do just for that is realize it's not going to end up being my way or their way. Absolutely. It's be a different it could be way. our way. You had to take your way off the table. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, how about this one? I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stump you here. You stumped me already. If I can, that's I, my goal. If I can, I, I'm just paddling. I'm just trying to stay <laughs> no, up, and stay no, afloat. You, I've loved your answer so far. Um, how about this? Can we love God and not love our spouse? <laughs> it all gets back to what love is. You know, I'm thinking of uh, some some couples, and you would know them. I won't say their names. Uh, but they probably wouldn't mind if I did. But they're couples who go to our church, and uh, in their sometime in the history of their marriage, there was an affair, uh, and um, and yet they stayed together. They stayed together, and I can remember. It seems like most of the time it's the guy who has the affair, but there's one in particular of, of the lady who had the affair, and uh, and they were new members in our church, and they wanted me to know that for some reason. They felt like uh, they wanted me to know that. This has probably been 20 years. So they came to see me. And and uh, I remember talking to him, saying, so so you found out that she was having the affair, and she's in the room. And I said, how did you feel about her? He said, I, I could hardly stand to look at her. Mm. Hardly stand to look at her. But you're still married, I said. He said, yeah. He said, uh, God changed my heart. And uh, I don't know what all was involved in that, John. It, it wasn't anything more than just that simple dialogue. But uh, but here's a guy saying, I kept God in the story. I kept talking to God. I'm loving God. And he changed my emotions uh, toward my wife. And and so to get back to the question, can you love God and, and say, what was it? Can you love God and, and not love, not your, love spouse. your spouse? Well, in this case... The guy stayed connected to God, kept praying. It was very hard, very hard. I think it just nearly destroyed him. Uh, but because he stayed connected to God, he began actually feeling affection again for his spouse. And so I think if we stay loving God, then that love is going to flow through us toward our spouse. All right. <laughs> well, this uh, I've got one last one for you. I'm, I'm ratcheting it up a little bit more. Why are you doing this to me? I, <laughs> I, I'm your guest. <laughs> I well, I'm taking advantage of, of of this opportunity, and and if it kills you, <laughs> we uh, I have, as you know, here at Oak Hills on Sunday mornings when we have people come up to pray with the elders, probably a, a month doesn't go by that I don't have somebody come up, and say, uh, will you pray for me? My, my ex is making my life miserable. Mm. And, and I, I will pray with them. And um, then after we're finished, I will almost always ask them, can I ask you one question? Does your ex know that you love them? And they will look at me like I, I don't understand the meaning of ex. And, you know, and sometimes they'll like, no, this is my ex. They'll say, my, my, we're no longer married. And I'll say, yeah, I get that. But do they know you love them? So 
my question is, can we love God and not love our ex? Why do you ask him that question, by the way? Are you going to tell us, or is that a secret? <laughs> well, um, the reason I ask that question is most of the time people create havoc for us is because they believe that we're against them, that we're not for them. And um, so it's especially with people that are dealing with their exes, uh, I, that's almost always, if they're really having big struggles with their exes, that's usually what's going on is that their ex feels, oh, you're against me. You don't love me. And, um, and I think, but uh, so, you know, the, one of the things I'm trying to help their situation be better, if you start showing your ex uh, love, then um, they're going to stop feeling like you're against them and probably going to, you're going to have less of them as a thorn in your side. But uh, I'm also trying to create a mindset because usually there, this is, well, not usually, but often um, they've got a mindset that they're going to be bringing into their next marriage if they get married again, or if they already are married, if that mindset is not gone, then um, it's going to eventually fester. And it comes back around to what you said at the beginning, you know, um, that uh, if, you've, if you've got this mindset that love is a feeling, then you're going to you're setting yourself up for disappointment because that other person is a person with issues and baggage because they're a human being mm-hmm. and they're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. And um, we most of us live most of our time um, at best truly loving other people and getting out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the smaller percentage of our mm-hmm. life. Right. And so your spouse is the same thing. And. Um, I don't know. You see where I'm going with uh-huh. that? Yeah. So I didn't. I hope I didn't plan an answer in in your mind. I, I truly want to hear what you have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I think this might be an indirect way to answer the question. You know, uh, when I do, I don't do as much premarital counseling as I used to. But when I do, and even then, I would always uh, make it a point to urge people to uh, love God more than you love your spouse. Love God more than you love your spouse. Uh, and then try to marry somebody who loves God more than they love you. Good uh, advice. If we, can, if we can create that triangular marriage where God is at the top and then there's a husband and a wife on the lower points of the, of the triangle, uh, then we've got a chance for a healthy and happy marriage, I think. And uh, if 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 I have a marriage that does not have God in the middle of it, then I think the odds of that marriage really being uh, a happy and healthy one are are far reduced, far reduced. I would agree. And and there's two or three reasons why. The big reason is God gives supernatural power through the presence of His Holy Spirit, and and the Bible says the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so there's a supernatural love that comes into our hearts. It, it's really a gift. It's a, it's a, it's a downloading of, of strength and, and love that comes. Uh, and so when I pray, I can say, Lord, I don't feel a love for my spouse today, but because you're more important to me, uh, than even he or she is, and, and, and you're more important to her 
than or to him than I am, then we're counting on you to to just deposit some supernatural love in our hearts. Mm. That's a wonderful prayer to pray when you're when you feel like you're stuck in a marriage. Excellent prayer to pray. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, I I think uh, can't remember the question now. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this this triangle of a marriage is so important uh, that I it comes down to this. I exist to help Deanland be faithful to God until she gets to heaven. She exists to help me be faithful to God until I get to heaven. But neither one of us are ever called to fix each other. Uh, we're not totally responsible for each other. Uh, and both of us are called to love each other the way God loves us. In other words, you're to be a conduit of God's love and grace and spirit. There to, you go. To, to her. There you go. Yeah. You know, we, we do uh, this little exercise sometimes with couples, uh, and, and, and we say, uh, you know, when you're at the end of your life, when you're, when you know that you're, you know, your time is up and, uh, you're down to your last few breaths, what's going to matter to you? Mm-hmm. What's going to matter? And, uh, and that's a, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. And inevitably what's going to matter is family and faith, family and faith. So what am I doing today that will matter on that day? Well, there's the title of your next book and sermon series. Family and the faith. The two Fs. The two Fs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, thank you so much. It's well, been thank you. a joy. I, I, I am so blessed continually by, by you and Deanland. And, and well, I hope it's, this blesses. it's mutual. It really is, John. We love you and your family. It's, it's great to call you a friend. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for calling me friend. Absolutely. All right. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize our culture for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this and any of our podcasts. Drop us an email at relationshiprewire at gmail.com. That's relationshiprewire at gmail.com. Is your church or organization looking for a course that doesn't just provide information, but actually transforms marriages and relationships? Then visit us at growinglovenetwork.org to see how our Growing Love course can work for you. Growing Love has been chosen by the state of Texas as a Together in Texas course, and it's also recommended for engaged couples.